welcome everybody to Not So Famous Achievers. Weekly conversations with some of the world's most amazing but not so famous achievers on what they did and how they did it and what you can learn from their journey. With your hosts, Will Christ and Robert White. Hey guys. Well, welcome. Uh, it's uh, wonderful to be with you. We've got a fabulous guest today. Will, I can't wait to introduce you to Robert Smith. Amazing, amazing guy, incredible background. It would take three of these podcasts at a minimum just to cover the crazy experiences he's had in life. Uh, <clears throat> but we're going to do the best we can in the time that we have. Robert Smith, uh, welcome to our little podcast. And you're definitely a not so famous achiever. And uh, <laughs> well, we're gonna, thanks we're for gonna having help. me. We're going to help make you famous. Oh, great. I need that. <laughs> That's good. That's good, good, good. Well, Robert, we like to start with um, with me getting a voice back. Um, we like to start with getting kind of a Reader's Digest version of your life. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your history and, uh, you know, how you got to this august and almost famous place in life? Oh my gosh. You know, Robert, thank you, first of all, and Will, and thank you for having me on the show. I, th I think this is great. I was excited when Robert first told me about it. I did talk with Robert about what he wanted me to talk about. <laughs> I was sitting there going, wow, there's a lot of information here. But, you know, it's it's funny. I was I was sitting there thinking back that, you know, I was raised in Colorado. I was raised on a horse ranch, uh, an Appaloosa ranch uh, east of here. We had about 5,000 acres and we had, it was a full working ranch. We had ranch hands and we had fights and we had all kinds of things that went on on the ranch. And, but that was actually where I got my work ethic. You know, it was like, regardless whether we had ranch hands and things like that, my father still required us as kids to get up at four in the morning and do the stuff. And you know, we got off from school, from the school bus. Uh, we still had to go do it. I mean, it didn't matter. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a no, uh, in, in, in that conversation. And considering my father was a martial arts expert as well, uh, we listened to him very carefully. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, when he said jump, we did and how high and, but that was really, you know, it was really, to me, it was one of those areas that it gave me a lot of really opportunities and options and looking at life. And I remember it was, I remember riding my horse out in the middle of the Colorado Plains at a, a sunset and just remembering how beautiful it was. And I'm on my own horse in the middle of nowhere. It was great. A few coyotes show up here and there, you know, but it was just like, oh my gosh, it was like heaven. And I thought that, you know, that this is the way life should be, you know, life should always be that way. And, you know, and then a lot of things happened along the way. And I wasn't sure, Robert, where you wanted me to take this. <laughs> and uh, because there's a, there's several directions I could go. And I would was wondering if you could give me a little guidance. Well, that's the reason we need three podcasts instead of uh, in one. You know, you've had adventures in the United States, an incredible adventure in Greece. Is it Greece? Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, you know, it was really interesting because it leads into what you were, what I was talking about on the ranch, about how I looked at life. I, as a person, even as a young man or as a young boy, I love life. I like people. 
Mm-hmm. I love getting up in the morning. You know, my parents hated it because I get up at four in the morning and expected them to be up with me uh, <laughs> because I always thought I was going to miss something. I really did. You know, like I'm going to miss out on something. So get up with me. You know, there's lots of things to do. And my father's looking at me. He goes, the sun's not up yet. And uh, so, you know, it was really interesting. And that lasted all through you know, me growing up and, and things and, and my, we eventually sold the ranch and my parents went into real estate and some other things. And I decided to save a bunch of money. And with my best friend, we went over and backpacked Europe after high school and, and uh, it was something we wanted to do. And, and so we spent four months backpacking Europe and we backpacked Europe. We went everywhere. And as a result of some things that happened over there, I was over in Greece and when Papadopoulos was a dictator and I ended up being a political prisoner, got a 30-year sentence and was uh, all the things that everybody talks about that happens to people that you would think, I didn't know that people did things like that to other people. I was in the Corfu prison, which was one of the most notorious prisons in the world for human rights abuse. And I had no idea even what I was into. And through a series of events and things like that, I escaped from that prison uh, and it was a really harrowing type of adventure. And I don't have the time to tell the whole story here, obviously, because I wanted to talk about something else, but someday I will. And, and I have given that talk a couple times, you know, at a couple CEO meetings and things like this, because people were really interested in it because I titled it Freedom, you know, because it was like, it was one of those moments in time where people don't understand the real value of freedom until it's been taken away from you or the process has been taken away from you. You know, I was convicted, I was tried and convicted as a political prisoner in all of maybe five minutes. And that was it. There was, there was no redress. There was no nothing, you know, and I was sitting there. It was so interesting too. I will have to say we had this interpreter and I looked at him and I said, well, what did the judge say? He goes, oh, you got off easy. You got 30 years. I said, I got off. I, 30 years for what? You know, anyways, um, that led me to some very interesting things because what the, and what the experience of that did for me was it actually removed everything that I was about. Like who I was was gone. The things they did to me in that prison was everything that happened within those walls, I was, when I finally escaped from there, I wasn't me anymore. I didn't know who I was. I was mm-hmm. lost. All my dreams were gone. My ability to dream was gone. Uh, all the th- essence of the core people, you know, Robert, you and I've talked about this before, you know, that core essence of why I love human development, you know, and, and finding out <laughs> all the things that makes us tick, is, is that all of that was gone completely. And I got back here to the United States. Nobody knew what to do with me. There was no such thing as PTSD back then. Uh, nobody understood it. I found alcohol. I found drugs. I found all kinds of things to numb the feeling of what it is that I was feeling because all I knew was it was just I was going to die. And it was and it was one of those moments and, you know, it took me all the way down to living in a cardboard box underneath a bridge really? in the middle of the winter. And that's where <laughs> I remember this so distinctly. There's this one day I poked my head out and I'm like going, this has got to be the bottom because <laughs> if this isn't the bottom, I'm in real trouble. And, uh, and some things happened from that particular experience 
And that was the human condition showed up. And it was like, there's a spirit that's inside of each one of us. And it's like, there was something that showed up in a way that I thought there, and some things happened and some people came into my life and some dramatic things happened in where it is that I would, you know, that where I was able to look to the future and some people shared some very powerful things with me to show me what was possible. And so I climbed out, I climbed out of the hole, as they say, and I'm putting this as this is a reader's digest version, obviously, but I climbed out of there and I remember, you know, meeting some people along the way that showed me different things that were really powerful about who we are as people, you know, and, and that everybody counts and that who we are as like leaders and what we could do. And I'm sitting here going, wow, I'm looking at myself kind of going, well, I don't look like a leader. I look like those people that people don't want to talk to, those homeless guys, right? And it was really interesting because through many years of development and work, I started to, I, I went into business and started to look at things differently. And I looked at life in an entirely different view. Like that experience gave me an entirely different lens, you know, about how to view life and like what was important, you know? And I think that that's one of the issues is, is that so many of us, including myself, we have a certain lens that we interpret life through and we think that that's real. And we think that's the truth. And it's nothing could be further from the truth. Oh my gosh, there's so many different dimensions. And it was through those experiences and things that I got to see, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, I'm working with these businesses and I started to build my own business and and things started to happen and things started to change. I started to make some money and I was like going, wow, I guess I can do this. I like this business thing. You know, this is really fun. So Robert, uh, you've built a, a very successful marketing consultancy, I guess I would call it, or agency. You've got an incredible network of people around you. I mean, you've you've won in the game of life in many, many ways. Along the way, on the kind of personal and, and professional growth path, has there been one event or one experience or one book or a video or a training or something that really allowed you to bring all of those uh, life experiences, the early ones on the horse with the coyotes versus being in uh, Corfu <laughs> prison. <laughs> Something brought those things together in such a way that, I mean, you're an incredibly effective consultant and advisor to me and to many others, including many of my friends. So was there one thing along the way or was it a lot of different things that combined you know, Robert, that's a really good question. There were several defining moments that I've had that were like really, you know, from a standpoint of accessing other people and who they are and that energy that we feel. And we all feel it when we're around people, you know, and those, and, and I've had many of those, but there were certain things that I came into contact with and certain people. And I think it was the people that shared with me. I, I, I ran into this guy, he was a mentor of mine. And, uh, and, and he, he looked at me one day and I never forgot this. It was really funny. And he looked at me and, and we were sitting there talking about different things. And he says, he goes, Robert, he says, I want to tell you something. And I said, what's that? He goes, you know, what you believe and who it is that you think that you are, you're none of that. And he goes, you're much bigger than that. 
And I looked at him and I said, what the hell does that mean? And he looked at me and he, he held up this mirror and it was all cracked, right? It was a cracked mirror. And he, he said, take a look at this. And I'm looking at this, this cracked mirror. He said, this is how you see yourself right now. And he goes, and he goes down the road, he goes, we're going to be taking this path. And he goes, we're going to, as you're building these businesses and all these things, we're going to be taking this path together. And he goes, and I hope in about 10 years, I'm going to be able to show you a mirror that's crystal clear, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, yeah, I think that that particular person was really defining in my life, you know, and the lessons that he taught me, you know, he was a painter, he painted houses yep. and, uh, and that's what he did. So if you wanted to talk to Bob, his name was Bob. If you want to talk to Bob, you had to paint the house with him, right? And I would sit there. And, so you paint the house with him and talk about, you know, all different kinds of things and principles in life and things. And I never forgot this one thing. And Bob and I were painting this house and we got all done. And he had like, I noticed that he'd like left this one piece that wasn't like real, he, he didn't paint it, Right. The owners came home and they're looking around the house and they're going, well, and he was a master painter, never used tape, right? He cut everything. He was amazing. But anyways, so the owners come home and they look and they're going, well, you miss this big spot. And he goes, oh my gosh, I did. So he sit there and paint it and got it all done. And he says, wow, what do you think now? He says, oh, it looks gorgeous and great and wonderful. So I didn't think much of it. And then later on at coffee, I was sitting there looking at him and I said, Bob, I want to ask you a question. You're a master painter. I said, and you left that big spot that wasn't painted. What was that all about? And he looked at me and he goes, oh, he goes, you notice that. And he goes, I do that with every house. He goes, see, when people come to see my paint job, people have a need to find out what's wrong in life first rather than what's right. And he goes, so I allow that to happen, allow that to occur. And they find this mistake and I make it all fine for them. They feel happy and satisfied and we all move on. And I looked at him and I said, oh my gosh, that's such a great lesson. And I've been able to use that in my business and some of the things that I do and, you know, my consulting and things like that. So, and oh, by the way, I'm not a professional consultant anymore. I gave that up. You know, because it was like professional consultant tells you what you already know. You know, I'm a disruptor. <laughs> you know, I like to take people to the edge. I like to take people to the edge of life. I like to take people to the edge of their businesses and challenge them at levels that they've never thought of before about how to weather market, how to grow their business and how to do these different types of things. And I've done it for myself and I've done it for other clients all actually all over the world. So, yeah. So, so, so tell us, tell us a story of buddy that you took to the edge. Oh yeah, sure. I'll, well, you know, including myself, you know, it was really interesting when I first started in business too, I wanted to be this consultant, right? Nobody would hire me because nobody believes you. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I went, Oh my gosh. And so I was sitting there and I had all these really crazy ideas uh, about marketing and business and things like this. And And I always sat there and thought, why aren't people doing this disruptive stuff? You know, why aren't people like making eyebrows go up? You know, everybody's doing the same old thing, the same old mailing, the same old whatever. And then they're all a bunch of lemmings and everybody follows all the lemmings and they all fall over the cliff until the next thing comes along. And I was sitting there going, that seems boring to me, right? So I remember since nobody would hire me, I decided to try out public speaking, right? And so I remember it was so clear. I was, well, this is right when the, uh, 
the uh, SPDCs were born and, and, and Colorado had the office of business development. And I went up to this guy who was a director and told him I wanted to run around and do consulting at all his centers. And he says, well, he goes, well, he said, that would be great. But he says, why should I hire you? I said, because I'm a disruptor and I come up with really crazy ideas and people, I said, I know what to do. And, and I take people to the edge and he goes, what does that mean? And I said, well, I'll tell you, you know, he said, uh, he says, I'll tell you what, Robert, he says, why don't I put you in front of 800 of the most influential people in the state of Colorado? And he goes, we're launching this program up in Breckenridge, the state of Colorado. Why don't you be our keynote speaker for our deal? And I said, that would be wonderful. That'd be great. And I walked out of his office and something dumb on me was going, one, I was terrified of public speaking. And number two, I'd never done it before. And I was like sitting there going, God, I got to figure this out really quick. So I called all these people, all these friends of mine that I knew were speakers and asked them all this advice. And so they're telling me all this stuff and, you know, nothing's sinking in. Also, I can feel is the fear. And I'm like going, there's, I got to get a grasp of this thing and what I'm going to do. So I put together this little talk and, so I walked, showed up in Breckenridge and I'm standing there and, and, uh, and I walked into this room and there's, there are, there's 800 people, this room's full and I'm going, Oh my gosh. And so now they're announcing my name because it's like close to lunchtime. And so I'm walking up the aisle and the more they're talking about me and they have a little bio and they're talking and I'm sitting here going, this is like not good. And I get up to the podium and I turned around and I looked at the audience and I didn't see 800 people. You know, I saw 1600 eyeballs staring at me going, who the hell is this guy? And it was like, I had this thing. I was thinking maybe I could fake a heart attack or something, you know, and fall down. I was sitting there, all this stuff's running through my head. And I remember Bob Lee, my mentor came to mind and he goes, if you're ever in a bind ever, he said, always, always tell the truth. And he said, God, the universe will support you hundred percent. He goes, if you lie, eh, you're on your own. And, uh, and I was sitting there going, oh my gosh. And so I got up there and, and I went to talk and nothing came out. It was like, it was like, like this. And I was sitting there going, oh, this is really bad. And these people, and you know, it's really interesting when something like that happened, time stands still, total stillness. And it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And these people are wondering, who is this guy? And I finally was able to get something out. And I said, look, I've never done this before. I said, I'm a brand new speaker. I said, I've never, I, I public speaking terrifies me. And I just wanted to tell you a few things about marketing, you know, and what was interesting was they laughed a little bit. And then I started to talk. And then I gave this talk that at the end of the talk, these people went nuts. To this day, I have no idea what I said. I really don't, but they all lined up to meet me afterwards and they all gave me their cards and it launched my business. And what it launched was the ability for me to come up with ideas and concepts for taking people to the edge because it gave, they looked at me as the perceived expert because I was in the front of the room, right? I mean, that's what we usually assume and that these people know what they're talking about. And I remember this one guy had come up to me and he introduced himself and had a company up in Denver and they were trying to figure out how to market to fortune 500 firms. And, and I said, well, I said, well, this, I said, he goes, look, we hired this big marketing agency and spent a lot of money and we got zero results. And he goes, we don't want to do that again. 
And I was going, oh, well, I said, well, let's take a look at this. And so, you know, this is an example of taking somebody to the edge. So I said, well, I said, so you're after the sea level of the Fortune 500s. I get it. And I said, you're a small business. That's a very, that's a challenge. And you spent all this money. And I said, so let's take a look at what, what you're really doing. So we really looked at it. And I said, who's the decision maker? He goes, well, what we're doing with it, they were managing some stuff called channel conflict and stuff, a whole bunch of other little things, there's some software. And it had to be, the, the decision had to be made at the C-level, right? So I get that. And he goes, well, the CEO and the CMO and all the Cs have to, you know, get together and have a conversation about this. And I said, well, then let's go after the CEO. Why not? He goes, well, we did, and it didn't work. And I said, well, you went after the wrong person. And he goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, we need to target, I said, their assistants and make them the decision maker, make them the champion of the campaign, not the CEO. But let's do something that's real edgy. Let's do something that's really outside the box. So I had them produce, we produced like this three minute like video, you know, like on a little CD and uh, all about their, their software and what it did and things like this. But the difference was we downloaded it onto a Mac computer and we put the computer and then we put a cell phone inside this in a Halberton spy case, right? So here's a computer and a, and a cell phone inside of this Halberton spy case. They closed it and said, open me, you know, to find out your future and so on and so forth, put it into a FedEx box. And before then, we hired two women salespeople and they called these assistants of all these CEOs and they said, hey, look, this is Lisa from so-and-so company and we have this, we have this, these services that we think you'd be really interested in. We're going to send you a package. If you like it and you think your company could use it, would you take it in and show it to your boss? If not, we'll have the package picked up. Would that be okay? And so that's who we sent the box to. So we put this whole box inside of this FedEx box and went to the assistant. Assistant opened it up, turned it on, played a three-minute pitch prompted them to pick up the cell phone and so on and so forth. And I think we generated $24 million worth of business in 42 days from that. Because, and the real interesting part was when I first proposed this to the CEO of the company that was doing this, he said, absolutely not. I said, why? He goes, well, how much is all this going to cost? And I said, what do you care? You guys just dumped a whole bunch of money on something that didn't work anyways with a, with a New York advertising agency. Are you kidding? You know, and I said, I, he goes, well, can't we use a, like a little cheap, like a box from, from Taiwan, you know, aluminum briefcase? I said, no, it's got to be Halliburton. It's got to be top end. It's got to be top tier. And he finally looked at me and, and this was another one of my adventures too, because he finally said, look, he goes, look, you're talking like about $5,000 a hit. And I said, look, I said, this is going to work. I said, it will pull over a 50% response. And he looked at me, he goes, you guarantee that? And I said, absolutely. And he goes, so if it doesn't pull over, I said, I'll tell you what, if it doesn't pull over a 50% response, it's on me, I'll pay for it. <laughs> and I walked out of that office and I was sitting there going, what did I just say? You know, <laughs> like seriously. And I thought, I better make this thing really work. And it did. And, uh, but, you know, taking people to the edge is really like having them look beyond what everybody else is doing, you know, and, and we have hundreds of examples of those type of things, but most people are, they want to be comfortable in launching their marketing or launching their, their, or scaling their business. They want to be comfortable. Well, 
guess what, guys? I said, you know, my experience is that's not always comfortable. You know, I remember when I was, when I first launched that, remember when I told you I was speaking up in Breckenridge, right? That's a company called Jungle Marketing. And uh, we were, uh, we were doing seminars all over the nation. And one of the things that I launched was, was that, you know, we had these business jungles, you know, we would transform, you know, these ballrooms into palm trees and we'd have fog and we'd have, you know, fireflies and we had elephants. So we had elephant noises and lions and tigers and all kinds of things in there. And we had jungle donuts are called bananas. And uh, we had all these different things and it was a whole eight hour course all on business marketing. People loved that. It was so much fun. It was one of the businesses that we grew and, and sold. But, you know, in every one of those things we did, we practiced what we preach because people would walk into these, these business jungles and they'd look around and they'd go, wow, this is cool. What are we going to be doing? And then through the whole eight hours, we did all this interactive stuff. You know, we didn't just sit there. They didn't sit there and listen to somebody lecture them about how to do marketing and things like this. We had them jumping up and down. We had them in small groups. They're sitting there yelling and screaming. I mean, this is a business seminar. And I wanted to be as disruptive as I possibly could be. And so I bring those same ideas with, you know, with the ideas and things that we do in our in our practice relative to our marketing type of work and stuff, which is really fun. And we're still doing it today. This is a uh, good time to do the disruption of a short break in our program. So uh, let's turn things over to Paul and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Well, we're going to give you one quick thought here that uh, plays into what we've been talking about here today. Our two hosts have lived extraordinary lives and been extraordinary entrepreneurs and Robert White, certainly one of them. He mentors extraordinary entrepreneurs and executives just like you. People who want better results from their leadership performance. He shows them how to turn those results into increased personal joy and satisfaction as well. Robert founded and led two large training industry success stories. He's been there and done that. And his experience will help you find and achieve that extraordinary success you seek in your life. So why wait? Reach out and see what Robert can do for you today. Just email him at robert at extraordinarypeople.com. Robert at extraordinarypeople.com. And start living the extraordinary life you've earned. Does your company have a clear vision? Do you have the right people in the right seats? Are you consistently getting the results you want and enjoying the journey? If not, consider EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. EOS is a set of simple concepts and practical tools used by more than 100,000 companies around the world to clarify, simplify, and achieve their vision. Schedule your free 90-minute meeting with an EOS implementer at eosworldwide.com today. That's eosworldwide.com. And now back to our show. We're back with Will and Robert Smith, our guest for the day of uh, Accelerate, a uh, not a consultancy I've now learned, but certainly an idea <laughs> factory. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> I've had the, the experience in the last uh, six years of being in front of more than 20,000 people. And I've been asking a question uh, of those groups after building some trust and kind of getting them to the point where maybe they would be willing to be honest. I asked them, uh, the number one question was, how many of you are estranged 
from at least one person in your family. And uh, I was shocked. And I asked it out of my own experience, and sadly, I'm just curious. And I found 70% of the people were willing to put their hand up, which was shocking to me. Wow. Shocking that they would be willing to be that vulnerable, but also just shocking at the number of that kind of turmoil in families. But the second question was, how many of you have been betrayed? And these are business leaders, that, that's my audience. And the response there is 100%. 100% felt that either personally or in their business, they'd suffered betrayal. And uh, again, shocking, and, and it has happened to me. And, and then I started learning that it's happened to everybody in my circle, including Robert Smith. Because when I shared this story with Robert, even though I felt like I knew him well, he shared a story with me that was just shocking to me. I mean, for the the depth of it, the the loss involved, and the personal betrayal that he felt. Robert, I, I don't know how willing you are to be open in this kind of a forum. Oh, about sure. that. But I think there's some coming out of a betrayal, the interesting part of it, not the betrayal, but you know, how do you handle it as a human being and as a business executive? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I had a former business partner. We were building a financial services business in New York City, and we were commuting from Denver every week. Uh, so we would leave on Monday, come back on a Friday. And by the way, just so you know, people in New York don't think that people in Colorado know anything about finances or anything. It's just, you know, especially about wealth development. But we were doing exit strategies for closely held businesses. And through a series of events and things like that, I eventually, after a year and a half, we did, you know, we built a, you know, over a hundred million dollar business and, and, uh, and it was really, it was a big deal. And, and our share of that was like about 10 million because we had other partners involved and things like that. And, and so through the whole series of all the things and, you know, I, I decided to sell my, my end to my partner. And so he paid me a little bit up front and we all know this scenario, right? Whatever you get paid up front is probably what you're going to end up with. But, but the truth was, was that, you know, we were supposed to have, you know, I had a pretty big retirement built into this thing and, and so on and so forth. And so when it came down for the balloon payment, you know, he didn't pay me. He actually, I found out he absconded with all the money and took it. And, uh, and then basically looked at me and said, too bad, so sad. And I was like, this was a guy that I had actually personally invested my entire life in. I had spent, you know, an entire year traveling with going back and forth to New York and you get to know somebody and, and it was a really intimate type of thing. And so I felt absolutely, I didn't even know what to think. All I know was, was that the fear that was produced in me, the anger that came up for me was unbelievable. And it was just like, I sat there and I just went and the shame that came up for me too. That was another piece that was really big. How could I like, really? Like how could I have been so blind, you know, that I couldn't see this side of the character of this particular individual. Finally, it was really interesting because if you recall at the beginning of my talk, I was talking about Bob Lee with the mirror, you know, and I went back and looked at the mirror and I finally asked myself, who's responsible for this, him or me? And the truth is, is I'm responsible for the whole thing. Because here's the truth of the matter. When I get down and actually find it and really get down to the core, because I do a lot of introspective writing and I write about different things. And, you know, and I found out for myself, 
I already knew that something was going on. You know, I knew inside something wasn't right, but I didn't want to face it. I wanted to pretend that, oh, well, not really. You know, it's like one of the things that I realized that was missing was I was the one that was losing. I'm the one that felt toxic. All the portrayal does is produce toxicity toxicity with people. And if you don't own up to that and you don't find the ability to forgive people, you're going to remain angry and toxic. And the resentment is just unbelievable. And it'll just surpass, it'll overtake your life. One of the things that uh, I did was I was talking with my wife. Now, you have to understand my wife. My wife wanted, you know, he, she wanted to do other things to this person. And uh, so I sat there and I said, well, we can't do those things, honey. I said, that's not going to work. And she goes, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to meet him. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to meet him for breakfast and I'm going to forgive him. And she goes, what? She goes, what do you mean? I said, honey, money's gone. We could spend $250,000, $300,000 in forensic accounting and all the other crap and all the stuff. And we could win the case two years, three years from now and so and so forth. And so what? We get to be right. But that's all we get to be is we get to be right. There's not going to be any money at the end of the day. And I said, so why don't we take the high road? And uh, so I sat down with this gentleman and I told him we had a conversation and we went through this whole process and I was talking to him about love. And I said, and he looked at me and he's like, really kind of, he goes, what are you talking about? I said, you know, I said, the one piece that I realized that was missing with this was that intrinsic piece that we all learn, we all long for in business and that we all long to be loved. I mean, Brene Brown talks about that in, in you know, Dare to Lead and other some of her books around, you know, some of that things around the vulnerability and the, and the courage it takes to stand in the space of what's going on. And, and it was really interesting because standing in that space and mentioning the word love, and it was like, and he looked at me and he goes, well, I said, you know, I looked at him and I said, Mark, I love you. And I said, and I forgive you for what happened. I get it. I'm not sure why you made those decisions, but it doesn't matter. I said, let's move on. I said, I let this go. It's, it's, it's released. We're, we're complete. And you know what he said? He turned around and he goes, well, no, he says, you know, he says, I'm going to pay you and I've got some money, you know, I'll pay you this and this and this and this. And I finally looked at him and I said, I don't want it. I said, the part of what I'm talking about is completion is my completion for myself. And I walked out of there. That was the completion of betrayal because I was free. He wasn't, but I was. He said he still had, you know, obviously he has some work to do on himself, but that has nothing to do with me. You know, I'm the one that has to live in my body. I'm the one that has to live in my mind. My head hits my pillow and I want it to be peaceful. I want it to be sit there and quiet. And I don't want all the noise running around. I don't want that squirrel cage that we all talk about. You know, that little voice that talks about to us all the time, that little voice that just said, what little voice, you know, and that voice to where it sits there and you, you just want to, you just want it to be peaceful. And that's the way I want my life. You know, I live my life today out of balance. You know, I live out of balance and out of contribution, out of possibility, out of love, out of support, out of knowing everybody's trying to do the best they can. And that's how I view people. I really do. I, I, I have that way about me and I will continue to be that. And somebody says, well, geez, Robert, after that betrayal, wouldn't you like be more cynical? And I said, no. I said, you know, I take people for who they are 
And I take them for, you know, I know that they're going to have to show me something like that for me to decide anything different, that they're anything other than what it is that I see, you know, especially with, with heart. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, in a real sense, what he was doing was trying to use the promise of paying you back to avoid the gap in between what you were doing and what he's doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it seems to me that what, what you are demonstrating is we're in charge of how we feel. We get to choose. We do. And it's our responsibility. You know, I, I look at it that, you know, people are going to do, people are going to be people and they're going to do strange things. And if you've been in business long enough, we all know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's really up to me as far as how I react to people uh, about what it is that I really want in my life and, and what do I want for them too? You know, I, I'll go to conversations when we talked about going to the edge, I'll go to conversations. I'll go to the edge with people, you know, to talk about shame and to talk about, you know, upset and to talk about fear. What are we really afraid of? You know, those type of things, because I've done that kind of work and I've done that kind of work for almost 40 years. And it's just something that, you know, I look at all that work and on myself and some of the other things and the things that, and all that work came from other people, you know, all of that gift that was gifts from other people that shared with me these wonderful processes and understandings and trainings that I got to experience to learn more about me to realize that I'm not much different than anybody else. You know, we all have pretty much same feelings and things. We just don't talk about them. You know, we really don't, and we should. Robert, you have been uh, an incredible guest. We could do this for several more hours, but we only have a few more minutes. Yeah. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? What are you up to? Uh, how can people engage and support you or use your talents or anything you want to talk about? Sure. Well, they can get a hold of me through uh, rsmith at accelerated.com, and that's uh, A-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-D.com, or you can go to my website. You can also reach me, uh, you can text me by phone, uh, which is 719-338-4211. And I'm up to some really big things right now. I'm, I'm up to transforming some things in the world, and uh, especially around uh, housing and things like that. And I've got a lot of different things and projects that are on my plate that are really, really exciting because I'm really, you know, one of the things that Robert White has shared with me and I've learned from him you know, is the transformation takes place in the present. It doesn't take place in the future. It takes place right now at this very moment on this call. This is all that's going on. And so it's up to me to be able to really know that my life's about transforming people, places, and things and situations. And so, yeah, and that's really exciting to me. It really is. And I get to have this opportunity every day and because I run into amazing people every single day. They're just they blow me away. People are just extraordinary, as you would say, Robert. You know, they really are. And I just love seeing them. You know, they're just, they they do amazing things. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I hope it does. So what was the telephone number again to text you? 719-338-4211. And Will, can you uh, kind of take us out of here and, and yeah. conclude our session for the day? Well, I think this has been a, a wonderful, a wonderful example of how just demonstrating that we're in charge of the world 
it's not the world is impinging on us. We're not victims. We're not victims. Uh, maybe somebody tried to convince us of that, but we're not victims. And what you're demonstrating, and I think it's wonderful, is not only are we in charge of how we feel about the world, we can transform others as we share with them our experience of being in charge of ourselves and give them, you know, help them to recognize the agency that they have. So, Robert, wonderful, wonderful experience to get with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Robert, thank you very much. And Paul, it's nice to meet you too. Happy holidays. And uh, remember, uh, everything that happens in life is a choice in terms of how we process it, how we respond. And uh, Robert, you are an example of uh, comebacks and go-tos and uh, living a life in a really extraordinary way. Thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you. Merry Christmas to everybody. Well, there you have it. Another great example of why you get to tune in. Overhear some conversations with maybe some not so famous but real achievers like our guest today. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.